welcome to the Cowbell Fever podcast. Today we have a great catch-up with Berkey Executive Director Ben Pop from snowy Hayward, Wisconsin, with more than a foot of, well, to coin a phrase, Nemecoggin concrete, and it's blanketing the trees and the trails. There's now more base down than in some years in February, and there's some cold weather on the way to freeze it down through the ground and into the lakes. More on that, events, improvements, and what it takes to groom, I think we figure probably more square meters of trail than most anyone else. But first... I got a box in the mail today, and inside that box are a dozen or so zip-running backpacks. This may raise two questions. First, what does one person need with so many backpacks? And second, what is a zip-running backpack? Well, first, they're not all for me. But the second question, which is I think the more important one, is that the zip-running pack is a backpack designed for run commuting. Now, before now, if you wanted to run commute, and I count myself as one of those people, you could choose between really two ends of the spectrum. You can go with a trail running pack, and that's one of those trail running pack vest things, but it's not really designed for a laptop. It's not really designed to keep a change of clothes dry, but it's reasonably snug, you know, run a run a hundred mile hour with those and wasn't too bad. And then on the other end of the spectrum, you get like one of those waterproof bike packs. It's sort of designed for going on your back on a bike ride. It's uh, sort of a briefcase with straps, certainly not meant for bouncing and running, and there's going to be some chafing involved, and I had a really enjoyed that. Now, Zip sets out to solve this problem. It's basically a cross between a running vest and a briefcase. And it's designed by John Swain, who is an Elite Wave Berkey skier. And I'm going to have him on the podcast soon to talk more about it. I've known John for a while. And when he mentioned this a few years ago, actually, before the pandemic sort of changed commuting, but I'm, I'm going back now sometimes and it'd be great to run. I, I tried it out. I tried out some early prototypes and he gave me a, a, an early prototype last year, or I guess a later one that was actually a pack. And there have been some supply chain issues, but there are several hundred of these packs now in the United States. There were boats and trains and all sorts of things involved. And the one I've had, I've put through the paces. So I've run with a laptop and, you know, clothes and lunch and whatever a bunch of times. And it's great. Um, I bike with it too. It's, it's good for that. Um, I've been out in like driving rainstorms and the stuff stays dry. So my laptop's never got water damage in there. And I actually hiked a 30 rack of beer along the Appalachian Trail for a few miles with it. Now, wouldn't exactly suggest this, not the most comfortable thing, but knowing it can fit a 30 rack may prove useful for the last Saturday in February. At the Berkey last year, it was great because I had these front pockets and the little vest pieces, and I throw my keys in one and my phone in the other, and gloves and hats, and I can record a whole podcast down the front of the backpack. So, if I haven't sold you yet, you can go find out more at ziprunning.com. That's Z I P running.com. And if you listen to the podcast for an episode with John, it should be out in the next week or two. And if you do decide, hey, this is for me, this is cool, or this is for a family or a friend or whoever, if you use the promo code COWBELL, you'll get a discount when checking out, which is kind of cool. And I think if you order this weekend, uh, it might even be able to ship for Christmas. John's shipping out of Minneapolis, so if you are uh, in the Midwest, it's probably going to be pretty quickly. Um, if you're on one of the coasts, it might be a bit longer. Just wanted to talk some about this cool product and we'll talk to John soon. If you're interested, check it out. And if you're not, here's the rest of the podcast. This is sort of our semi-annual or bi-annual or whatever um, that is check-in with Ben Pop from a snowy Hayward, Wisconsin. Um, not really the kind of snow you're used to. It sounds like it's kind of sloppy and, and wet and heavy and, and that's caused some... Uh, I mean, we're never going to say snow's caused a problem, but that's caused a bit of a problem. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just a little reminiscent of 2014, actually. Um, 
it's you know it's one of those storms it's that huge storm that came out of the pacific and i think eventually it'll get to you guys in the east coast but it, it was ended up being over a couple days and it started as rain it was never really got colder than 33 so the moisture content is crazy high but it ended up being anywhere um the single event was um 14 to 16 inches but we had a couple inches before it and we're now getting a couple after so it's it's going to push nearly 20 inches and again so heavy that um the trail is really impassable i mean all those little branches and, and actually um six and eight uh, inch diameter trunk trees they're just they, they can't handle it right and down they come so We've now been clearing since Wednesday, so it's going to be in all of about 72 hours of just to be able to get it open to get a machine through it. And then it'll be a couple of weeks of cleaning up the sides as well. But the, you know, the snow was so wet. It's going to be an awesome base. I mean, it's starting to dry out now. Temperatures are down into the 20s. And the, the, those, as they clear it open and get the PBs on it, um, it's going to be some good skiing, I think. Uh, if you're in the area, definitely come up and do some training. You won't have to do any hamster wheel, that's for sure. And uh, I think the base of it will be knock on wood, hopefully one that will last us for, for the whole winter. Yeah, you're looking for some nice cold temperatures the next couple of weeks. So if it can dry out, it'll, you know, the moisture content will stay there. It'll be a really good base. Sometimes sometimes we get towards the race and there's only a few inches of base because it's the sort of little dry storms that put some powder down that you have to compact. Uh, no need to compact this stuff. No, this stuff is solid as a rock. I, I, like I said, I skied on about 5K of it north of Double O this morning, and uh, it's it was like, wow, it was already starting to set up because it's starting to cool down. The ground is frozen underneath it. Um, you know, of course, there is a little bit of a downside, and that's the lakes and rivers, of course, on those crossings. But, you know, we'd only have three to five inches of ice right now, and now we put this huge blanket on it, which is – this big there's a fair amount of water out on the ice because again now there was all this water in the snow as it's draining out can't go anywhere it's on the ice it insulates the ice so i think if any uh, the biggest downside of this early snow with not a lot of lake ice is gonna that may prove to be one of the challenges but uh you know soon the snowmobile club will get out there and stake it that kind of gives us the green light to know that it's safe <laughs> and uh we follow our friendly snowmobilers and then um, then we'll actually start to compact with just even snowmobiles to try and get it to freeze solid all the way through on that trail part. And then eventually, once we get a little more ice, 10-ish inches, we'll take the piston bullies out there and actually plow either side of the trail and take all that snow into a big windrow so that, you know, if we do get melting throughout, it'll start to uh, um, give us that extra snow and, and, and also elevate a lot of the snow because throughout Lake Hayward oftentimes there is periods of time where there's just water on the ice and then it just turns it into a solid mush. So by putting it into a windrow, getting it high, that kind of saves saves some of that snow. So that's still a little ways down the road yet, but I think uh, hopefully, you know, that'll be an important kind of step, obviously, to get us into Hayward. So managing the lake ice. And it does look like uh, Christmas might be chilly up there. I'm looking at one forecast that has a high on the 23rd, a week from what we're recording right now, of uh, about five below and a low down around 25 below. This on an inch of ice where it could have sunk the ice or something would have been awful. So at least you have enough to support it. No, we can't complain. And uh, this year we're trying out one of the new um, tracking apps. It's called Nordic Pulse. It's actually out of Canada. There's a lot of 
new or a lot of areas that are using it and it's really pretty cool um it actually is just a phone app that the groomers use and so when they're grooming or working they actually turn it on and it, it'll show you where they are and where they've worked most recently which then really has been good for grooming and, and people knowing where to go hey where can i go ski well just pull up the map and, and i can see where they've been so that hopefully during these periods of time where it takes a while you can't groom as much you know, you look outside and like, gosh, why don't they just groom up another 50K? You can start to see the progress and know where to go. Yep, okay, they groom from double O. That's great. I can go to double O, especially on the weekends when we get a lot of folks from the cities in Milwaukee and Madison and the like. Yeah, it's being a little problematic, but I think long term, you know, if we look at this as a marathon, not a 5K, uh, this will be good for us come February. So how much trail are you up to grooming these days? If we include the new trails up at Telmark, uh, now that we have that property, Berkey Ridge, the loops there, uh, the loops at Double O, the Classic Trail, the loops at Hatchery, and all the way down to the lake, it ends up being just about 110, 105 to 110 kilometers um, in total. We have four grooming machines. We keep one up at Telmark, two at Double O, and one down at Hatchery. We're actually just finished building a little storage building down at Wheeler Road, kind of right by it before you get to the lake. So, and it's got a little heat in it and power. And that allows us to groom the southern end much more frequently, a couple in the middle, and then the one up at Telmark. And so it takes us, when we have all four groomers out, um, typically it takes us two days to get it all done. Uh, we can groom about 80-ish kilometers in a night uh, with what we have, um, and partly, one of the biggest issues is it's not the distance, it's that everything is two and three passes. We have two Pissimbully 400s, one 100, and then we have a Prenoth, a Husky. And um, we always have to have some smaller ones because that's what it takes to get across our bridges. And even like the bridge at Mosquito Brook, that older one. And so we, and then we have a couple bigger machines, those 400s that have closer to an 18 or 20 foot tiller. Mm -hmm. You can then two pass the trail, which makes it so much more efficient than a three pass where you deadhead somewhere. And so, that's what slows us down, um, which, again, it's great. Having that super wide trail accommodates a ton of skiers and the like. It just slows us down a little bit. You're at the point where you're, by kilometers, probably one of the largest ski areas, cross-country ski areas in the in the country. If With the wide trails, you might be grooming the most square meters of anyone. Yeah, that could be. I mean, I think, and we've already started to look at, now that we are fortunate enough to have infrastructure in the middle on both ends, you know, what is the right amount of grooming machines and people and that sort of thing to be able to keep it up so that, uh, I mean, there's always the eye to the last week in February and that always plays into the grooming of whether we're going to do it or not do it uh, because we've got to have snow at the end of February. But we also want to make sure that we have as much daily skiing as possible for people that come up. And one of the unique challenges, which is why I mentioned that app earlier, is that most trail locations have a trailhead you go to the building and you go and off you go and so you can groom accordingly you start closest and you keep working out well we actually have essentially nine trailheads because every place there's an aid station of course as you know you can park from and some like to go from bodecker others want to go from mosquito brook or tailmark or hayward so you're always trying to balance making sure you're grooming in a, in a variety of locations because they people have their favorites and yeah it's it's, it's a challenge but uh, we're super appreciative of all the support we get from both people buying trail passes to donations and uh it, it keeps us up and running and we get a storm like you have this week and you have to go then first put some sawdust on the trails and get the debris off of it and then groom it it's it's a several day long process before people can ski it it really is and and we were even delayed an extra day this time because it was so warm kurt wouldn't let anybody out just because 
I mean, you could ring the snow out. So he didn't even want people driving snowmobiles and, and walking in it initially. So that put us 24 hours, 12 hours behind. Then now we're finally kind of working through that. And, and even we are super low. Again, back to northern Wisconsin, amazing community. We have plenty of volunteers that will call up to and say, hey, I'm up here for the day. I'm up here for the weekend. How can I help out? So they are able to, if they're chainsaw certified, as an example, go out with one of the trail crew to help out. And, and so, again, going back to it really takes a whole village to get through this. And, uh, yeah, we're, we're really appreciative of all the help. So you've been uh, making some improvements on the um... – on the on, on some of your facilities, what are the big things that have happened in the last year uh, for the trail and for the sort of organization overall? Yeah, you know, one of the cool ones that I think, uh, and, it, and this is by no means a huge one, but um, the Classic races next year, actually, um, we built a new section of Classic Trail from the power line to just off the power line. Um, so in, in the past, we got a lot of complaints from the Classic skiers about on the power lines, a classic trail just getting wiped out because the skaters, it's still early in the race and brown. Yeah, everywhere. I'll, I'll, I'll apologize for some of my fellow skaters on that. I've never done it, but I've seen people. <laughs> so th- now once we bought the Telmark property, um, we own that property all the way up to the power line. And so there was a, uh, there was an opportunity with an old world cup trail to actually redo this old section of trail that now, right. Um, you're climbing, climbing, climbing up. And just as you're getting to the power line, we built this, reopened this old trail that will take you to where the classic trail went out to the power line, down the power line, and it started coming back. And so now it just, it kind of parallels the power line essentially. And therefore the classic skiers won't ever have to intermingle. And it skis awesome. I skied on it uh, the other day uh, before this snow and it, it really skis. They did a great job of it. So so that's one. I think that'll be an improvement for the skaters as well. Just giving them a little yep. extra room since Agreed. the start of the race. I mean, those are steep, steep hills. Yep. They suck for classic. They suck for all skiing, honestly. <laughs> I mean, because <laughs> they're just so steep and so therefore you're so wide. Yep. That, yeah. And you, you have all those shoots. You come down, you come into it. So you're transitioning from a tuck into a V1. Yeah. And- yeah, gets yeah. accordion, so more, more more room is better. Big accordion, so so hopefully that'll be helpful. There's a new um, another one of the renovations. We actually got a small grant from the state to renovate this old cabin that Tony had, uh, kind of in the back of the Telmark property, and it too is super awesome. I was actually doing a youth camp there a couple of weeks ago, and we used it. We had about 35 kids from Spooner there, and it's got a little woods. You know, it's sort of like the other trail cabins um, along the, at the aid station, but this happens to be just kind of out in the middle. Of, it's a couple K out from the Berkey start. You can ski out to it. And there's a variety of trails there. Some of the North end trails come to it, uh, the old Bauer loop. And it's a neat little cabin in the woods. I mean, a great place you can ski into, have a little lunch. There's a wood stove, as I mentioned. So I think people will hopefully will take advantage of that if they're up here skiing. And, and then I think with uh, this, the big change for those that are coming outside of the race is we're now routing all traffic on through County Road M and Telmark Road. Um, it is about three quarters of a mile farther than coming the back way through McNaught and Randy Sack, but that way goes through residential areas and the other way is just built for more traffic and now that we're getting more traffic. So we flipped around and asked people to drive in from cable on M through Telmark Road. Around the airport and around the airport exactly. And uh so that's, we've then groomed some extra trails up around the old Telmark Lodge. You know, we put in a five kilometer roller ski loop that went in just in November. That's amazing. Now we only got, um, I don't know, a week of, of use before the snow, which was kind of cool. I guess that's a good thing. But uh, I think next year it's going to really get a ton of use. And in, in, in the early grooming, like the turkey burkey, 
I will have to admit that I think it got a few tiller marks in it, but uh, it was kind of funny. Brian Fish was here doing a camp at, at our Turkey Berkey, and I was lamenting to him. I was like, oh, man, I think we're going to have some tiller marks in that. Our new pavement, he's like, ah, I've been around the world at all the best venues with roller ski loops, and if you don't have tiller marks in your roller ski, <laughs> well, then it just ain't legit. <laughs> I said, okay, well, good. I guess we satisfied that. Uh, again, I think from a training standpoint, and people just in an access, I mean, right, we can go out and train and roller ski on it, but it also allows somebody that maybe who needs easier access to trails and, and the like, it's much easier yep. to be on a paved trail. So uh, hopefully it serves a huge variety of people. There's some green trail, but then there's some wicked double black trail you yeah. know for the from an actual training standpoint so so it's good i think there's a bunch of new improvements and i think the race is here i mean uh, it's going to be a really busy january for us we have the new women's only event uh the, the one of the cool uh the sealy hills classic that we help run mm. is also going to be a super tour this year so there's if you do the sealy hills classic they'll be all the best americans yep. will be skiing side by side with you and then they're going to actually stay an extra day and do a sprint on sunday up on the possible world cup course in, in cable so uh it's going to be a busy winter oh and the night race um so you should come back for that i mean right get a partner and go ski 20k at night uh at the headlamps so yeah that sounds fun we're looking forward to a good winter and now uh, you know the holiday season's coming up so hopefully a bunch of folks will be up there in the northwoods training definitely have snow for that and hopefully the weather continues to cooperate and uh we'd love to see several feet on the ground in january one of those years where you just don't have to worry too much Amen to that. You are 100% correct. You had summer events too. Did those, uh, it was sort of the first year back to normal, normal? Yeah, it was awesome actually to have everybody sort of back, having fun. The trail run was a national championship again for the half marathon. I mean, I tell you, it's amazing to watch these athletes run sub six minute miles over the Berkey Trail and Canva wow. Trails. It's like, wow, you know? And so we had a great, great event there. We had a summer mountain bike race, the Epic. Um, which is mostly on the Canva trails, super good. And um, we also, uh, we actually got a grant from the Trek Foundation. So we're building 20 miles of single track trails at, mm. at, up at Telmark. And yep. um, we got about four of them built this last year. And they're they're built as a stack loop, green, blue, black. So the first ones are green. I mean, super fun to ride for beginners, but uh, all the way up to, you know, still fun um, if you're even more advanced. Had a Nike race that used them. So I think uh, we're pretty excited about that to see that venue evolve. And um, and this yeah. is just on top of all the Schwamigan trails that are correct interlaced throughout the forest. That's right. Yeah, it's on top of the nearly 120 miles of linear trail that basically go from Cable to Hayward that uh, Canva has. So it's interesting to see that it all come together. Um, there's a kind of a cool new observation tower going on top of Mount Telmark as well that's getting constructed. The guys that built our bridges over 77 and double O, obviously steel working guys, they had this idea. We knew we wanted to do a kind of a fun little observation tower on top of Mount Telmark. You get nothing huge, but you go up there. It's kind of cool destination. I'll hike up. And they came up with the idea of building them out of the old lift poles for the chairlift. Oh, fun. You know, it, I, it was going to go in in December, but... I mean, good for us. We got this early snow, so they weren't able to get up to but it. So it'll be in the springtime, but holy bananas. I think it was, it'll be kind of a fun idea, and it'll be cool to see it come to life, the old lift poles from Delmark uh, up on top of the hill. So, And then uh, looking ahead, the uh, Berkey is now, what, about two, a little under two and a half months. Yeah, um, and I overheard I overheard Christy talking about, uh, to the marketing crew, it sounds like they're going to be closing Berkey uh, early next week, that we're at about 99%. So... You know, it'll be 11,000 plus skiers this year, um, which will be super cool. And, 
you know, I think this year is going to be fairly normal. I don't see a lot of huge changes, a few little tweaks to busing. And, you know, there's always, you always react yeah. to something you learn each year. But as a whole, we're really starting to focus a ton on the 50th. I mean, this year, the four, not that you want to forget the 49th because it's, it too is important. But I think there won't be any huge changes. You know, we're definitely looking for the 50th. What can we do to make that a, you know, a huge celebration of a 50 years of the Berkey? And, you know, if you have any good ideas, send them along. Everything from, should we turn the Berkey around and ski at its original distance or its original <laughs> court? You know, uh, that of course. I'm going to, you know, I, I'm going to say no to that one because 10,000 people at the Telmark might overwhelm that property. Might <laughs> or will. Yeah, no, exactly. Have to bring I mean, a lot of beer and brats in to keep everyone that's right, happy. That's right. And Hayward, it's just such a great finish. I mean, downtown yeah. and whatever. I mean, there is this historical context of going there originally, but. Well, just on we, Sunday, just the next day, turn the race Wednesday. around and have we've everyone even, ski back. Yep. We've even talked about maybe making the open track that year do mm, that or something. Mm-hmm. Who knows? So anyway, that's all speculation. Um, but what is it we can do to really celebrate 50 years of, of Tony and the race and the community and, and everybody coming together? Ernie, obviously, yep. being such a huge part of this. We're, we've started a whole new initiative, Berkey One, with him. But I think uh, it's, it's, you know, again, if, if snow stays here, we have our team from the Berkey standpoint is – is amazing and growing you know we've been fortunate enough to get some really great uh, folks on the team now and i think that just helps make the event run smooth and really get information out early we've struggled a little bit with our berkey app we've had a couple false starts um it's the one even now that's out there we're redeveloping and really with the focus of it becoming your one-stop shop eventually but uh that so that's something we're working towards and you know it's uh it's always about uh, how do we make it a super great celebration of enjoying skiing and having fun and challenging yourself outside and on cool mm-hmm. trails. And so one of the rumors, ideas that I've heard of is making the 50th the World Cup. What is the uh, latest with that? Yeah, so we are, that is true. We are currently on the draft calendar for the 50th. Uh, there would be a World Cup in Minneapolis for three days the weekend before and then come up here. To here. Um, so uh, we're now working through the logistics of whether or not that really would work. Um, and it does, and it would. Uh, everything from doing a sprint on Thursday to possibly doing a full 50K on Saturday with the World Cup starting in front of the normal, uh, the rest of us athletes. The biggest challenge with that is the finances of it. Uh, you know, that's a two and a half million dollar bill to do both World Cups. So whether or not that's truly feasible or not, uh, I don't know. I mean, if there's anybody out there that wants to write a million dollar check, uh, you're welcome to do that. We will uh, definitely uh, can accommodate that. But uh, and I don't know if a lot of people realize that the very first World Cup happened in cable in 1978. Yeah. So it's not only the celebration of the 50th, but also then this idea of really bringing the World Cup back home. So we are working with them currently to figure out how is it we can reduce prices. Maybe it would be only we do one race instead of two. Do the one concept is to do the sprint on Thursday. It would be a sprint, move the Barna Berkey and Junior Berkey all together. Super great venue. It would be a lot of fun bringing it all into one. Um, or maybe it doesn't work, but uh, we have to make that decision here by the first of the year, really, because they're, they're finalizing their calendar, and we obviously want to start to move forward. So it would be an amazing celebration to have Claybo and Jesse Diggins and the best skiers in the world right next to all of us to really um, – you know, again, celebrate the Berkey and skiing in the U.S. and what it means and what, how far it's come. But uh, we'll see. Uh, we'll see. We're going to keep working on it, and uh, I'll let you. We'll we'll let you know as it evolves. Everyone's looking forward to having that in the uh, in the Midwest, but to be bring it up to the Berkey Trail and and to have. Uh, I I don't know 
if the World Cup, and, and I'm not a World Cup historian as some people are, but I don't know if the World Cup has had a 50K point-to-point on a sort of purpose-made ski trail. You know, the, some, some of the longer races out in, the, in Europe are not really a purpose-built ski trail. It's up a valley and down a valley. And, um, you know, the Berkey Trail, one of the amazing things about the Berkey Trail is you, have, you're, you feel like you're a homologated trail for the first 48 kilometers, and then you go across the lake. <laughs> right, exactly. No, I agree. I think I, I've had the fortune the last couple months to spend a bunch of time talking to Marty Hall and uh, Sven Beek's family. You know, they, uh, I'm along with Bob Treland here, where the, they're the ones that built the Berkey Trail. And, you know, Marty had some amazing stories about the U.S. ski team and how they got tied in with Tony and then doing the trials here. And that's when Koki was winning his medals and, and everything that went along with it. And, and Doug Peterson, who was on the team then, he actually is one of our, runs one of our ambassador programs that, that how that trail came to be. And so that, that, that history and the knowledge that was there to build that trail was the best in the world at the time. I mean, in the mid seventies, they were predominant. They were leading the world in, in skiing and coaching and the U S ski team was kicking butt. So yeah, I mean, I think it's an amazing trail. It's continued to evolve and get better. And at the end of the day, um, it's just fun to go out and ski on it. Yeah, and it's and it, you know you start with really good terrain, no huge yeah. climbs, but just yeah. just fun, fun punchy hills. I was gonna say if you go back to yeah episode eleven of this podcast from twenty seventeen, we uh, have a nice uh, nice long chat with Marty Hall about about a, a number oh, of things, did. but oh. especially the Berkey Trail. So. Um, if people want to go listen to that, if you have some time over the holidays, that's a really good, he is awesome to listen to. You should, I recommend. but yeah, that, that was a good one. So, um, definitely go back and, uh, good one from the, um, uh, archive. We're up to, this is going to be episode number fi- 51. Wow. You can believe that. Well, if, if you have a world cup, I'll come out for a week good. and, uh, and, 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 and try to do one every day and absolutely get the luminaries out. Right. I mean, that's a big part of why you put in a bunch of time and effort and fundraise and get sponsors. It's like, wow, you know, yeah. somebody would say, well, why do you want to spend a million dollars on a, on a world cup? Well, it's, again, it's not that you're taking away from anything. You're actually going out, raising extra money, or you're getting sponsors to be able to bring the whole ski world literally together in northern Wisconsin from, again, Barnaburke Juniors to us popular skiers to the Jesse Diggins of the world. I mean, all in one one place, uh, it's, that's that's pretty cool. I like to think I'm a, I'm a popular skier, not just a citizen, <laughs> citizen skier. That's right. That's right. Exactly. I like that. I like that verbiage. That's good. That's right. That's right. Sounds like we're going to have a good year, and it sounds like you have your work set, set up for you, getting that snow ready, but that, that's a, I mean, that's a good problem to have. That's right. Definitely be there in February and maybe even sneak out uh, for a little bit before. Yeah, no, absolutely. That was great, Ben. It sounds like we have a nice early Christmas gift up in the Northwoods and a good base of snow for the Berkey. And we have a lot to look forward to in the new year. And if you're still looking for that perfect gift and you listen to the start of this podcast, you already know this. If you're still looking for that perfect gift for your favorite run commuter, you can get an order in this weekend with John, and he should be able to get it out for Christmas. No guarantees. That's ziprunning.com, and promo code is cowbell. Thanks for listening. Keep your feet up to date for more podcasts in the new year. And if we don't get back to you, have a great Christmas, and we should be out before the next, uh, next year starts.